This show contains strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of racism and white centricity in theater, Christianity, use of the N-word in an example of bigotry, and mention of rape in relation to Greek gods. It also contains discussion about the LGBTQIA plus community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Friday, we continue to be gay. Saturday is the gayest day. Sunday, yeah, it's still gay, but we also record a podcast. Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plot our world domination. My name is Jay. My name is CJ, and here we are here to discuss whatever it is that cishet people think it is we're doing. Oh, but CJ, what's on the buy schedule for today? It really feels like the season of theater right now. Like, there's just so many shows going on. Last week we talked about our show, The Hazards of Love. And this week we're going to be talking about a show coming up called The Ongoing Plight of the Ferryman. Mm -hmm. And as such, uh, we have two folks from that show here, Rick and Messiah. And then we're going to play a game. Uh, So hello, Rick and Messiah. Hello. Hi. How are you both doing today? Feeling good. I'm a little hungry, but you know, I'm good. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, We haven't gotten a snack system for the show yet, but this is valuable feedback. Uh, (laughs) Just, I I feel like we should send everybody like edible arrangements. Once we get them, once we get more Patreon dough, then we can send our guests edible arrangements. Or just edibles. I was about to say, edibles are fine. All oh. I heard was oh, edibles. Oh, you said edible arrangement. Gotcha. Oh, no. I mean, listen. <laughs> they're, they're not me or Jay's bag, but I, I know some folks. We can figure that out. Uh, <laughs> so uh, how about you both tell us about yourselves real quick. Want to go first, Messiah? Um, Sure. Hi. My name is Messiah. Um, I'm 24. Uh, you know. I'm a part of the the limp wrist team. We love that. (laughs) Uh, I am a theater artist. Uh, I've been doing musical theater since I was like 16. I also work as a home health aide, and I'm an after-school teacher too, so I do a lot. Um, That's all I can think of to say about me right now. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like you're following the ongoing theater artist tradition of having 76 different <laughs> jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always like, yeah, I'm a theater artist. Also, I work at a retail sh- store and also I work at a medical center. You know. You know. <laughs> I mean, because when you do theater, you're used to doing like 12,000 things all at once. So I mean, like, why not? Why not? Yeah. Mm. Trained exactly. multitaskers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, how about you, Rick? Um, um, Rick Lewis. I'm a theatrical professional. Um, I'm a lot older. I think if you took all of your ages and put them together, you're probably close to how old I am. Um, all right. So uh, being a little further up the road, like I, I used to do the I have 17 jobs thing. 
I'm now very fortunate. Um, I get to do theater and I get to make art and that's oh. kind of what I do. I'm really excited about that. Um, I, uh, I'm a product of Philadelphia. I grew up at the North end of Broad Street, um, went to Philadelphia public schools. I was in the Philadelphia boys choir. Um, uh, started doing professional theater in Philly in like 94 or 95. Um, and, uh, have really just sort of try to get to a point where I can write musicals that don't suck. All right. <laughs> that was my objective when I got involved in theater was to learn how to write musicals that don't suck. I think I got one. So, uh, <laughs> is that not simply the dream? <laughs> it is the dream, but so many people. Anyway, now we go. Um, <laughs> You're about uh, yeah. to spill real quick. <laughs> right. We are not five minutes in. I love the yeah. energy. Here we go. But yeah, so, so, um, uh, yeah, I, I am, I've been a part of the Philly theater community in varying, uh, aspects. Um, everything from being a trust monkey to, um, a cable rapper to a box pusher to a designer and now director and producer. So I've kind of worn all of the hats at some point in time. And I'm really just kind of glad to be in the position that I'm in at this time as we're kind of re-emerging as a theater community. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of musicals that don't suck, uh, you two are here to discuss uh, the ongoing plight of the ferryman. Want to tell us a little about, about the show? Sure. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a show uh, mostly about um, coming to grips with who you are and, and being okay in your own skin. Um, I wrote it originally in 2015, and it's grown since I wrote it. Um, but the 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 it's loosely based on the legend of the ferryman who ferries souls uh, to the other side uh, after death, um, and the angel of death who brings the souls understands that death is a part of life, but the ferryman is bored and dissatisfied and decides that uh, they don't want to do it anymore. So the story, right. the story is really about um, that relationship and that development and them coming to grips with who they are and what they're about. And uh, if anybody comes to see this show, they're going to walk out liking themselves a lot more. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. What a pitch. <laughs> uh, Messiah, what role do you play in this show? Uh, I am the Reverend... Dr. Rufus King Blackshear. I am, how am I described in the show? A swindling sidewinder of a preacher man. <laughs> what a colorful description. <laughs> Very colorful. Yeah, he's a he's fun to play. Very wow, I can't even think of like a reference. Pound like for pound, he has more bling and shine than any three characters in the show combined. That is wow. true. My jacket has more <laughs> stones on it than I think I have ever seen on one jacket in my entire life. My shoestrings have, <laughs> have stones on them. Oh my God. It's like oh, amazing. Steve Harvey to the 10th power. Oh my gosh. That must have been really fun for the costuming department. Oh, he loved it. Jay Queen is our costume designer, and he had a blast. Um, was one of his favorite pieces to build. 
And he's like, can I put on more? Can I put on more? Can I put on more? <laughs> sure, go ahead. I literally, I, I come out and I look like the stone from Dragon Tales, the one they used to get to the dragon world. <laughs> I, literally I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. That made me even more excited to see it, which... By the way, uh, just as a heads up, I'm going to be on a panel on the show uh, by the time you're listening to this, this Saturday, um, because it's going to be a Pride Night. Rick, do you want to talk about what that entails a little bit? Yeah. So part of what what is important for us is instead of just talking about diversity and inclusion is to actually have some people involved in the community who are frontline, um, elbows deep in creating diversity, equity, and inclusion. So on October 9th, we're having what is our Pride Night. Um, between the two shows, because we have a, a 3 o'clock matinee and a 7 o'clock show, so between the two shows, we're hosting a panel where we have the, – the topic of the panel is something along the lines of – I think the title is uh, Here and Queer. Um, and the, the topic itself is whether or not inclusion in the arts is – an honest thing or whether it's just lip service. Hmm. And so we have um, some people from the community who are artists like CJ and some other folks uh, who are going to be coming and along with um, some activist folks from the community, um, like people from serve. Um, I can't remember off the top of the head, everybody else that's coming, which is a really bad producer thing of me. But uh, <laughs> Bad for me. I should know all this. I should have this all ready to spiel. You but, have a lot going on this week. I love it. Thank you. Um, but yeah. So, but the point of the panel is to actually have a discussion uh, with people who are on both sides of the the inclusion in the arts conversation. And by both sides, I mean um, the folks who are fighting to to have inclusion, um, the folks who are uh, working to build inclusion in just our everyday community overall um, and talking about how the work that goes into inclusion really affects the lives of the people for whom it's meant. Um, mm. There's lots of lip service. There's been lots of lip service, especially when we first went into lockdown um, about making more spaces and about creating more room. And then it seemed as we began to come out of lockdown that there was a lot of backpedaling and a lot mm. of backpack tracking and a lot of, well, we have to let those other folks who were in line already back at the table first. <laughs> um, and so a lot of what this panel is about is talking about how much of the inclusion talk is real, what we can do to make it real and how we can move forward um, to making a more harmonious society overall. Mm. That's yeah, absolutely. Like I, is it cheating to ask uh, both of you what your answers to that question would be, as I don't know what your participation in the panel is? Because Neither I'm interested to hear what your answers. Neither of us are participating in the panel, oddly enough. Uh, I did find the list of who is um, on the panel. Uh, CJ Higgins. Nice. Uh, uh, Dee Belafonte from Garden State Equality. Derek Jones from the Philadelphia Men's, from the Philadelphia Gay Men's Chorus. Um, Joanna Durazi uh, from uh, Services Empowering the Rights of Victims, uh, SERV, which is a social service organization. Those are our panelists. Um, but to answer your question, uh, wait, 
Ask the question again. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it just the the panel's main discussion seems to be like, what if anything like the theater uh, world is doing toward diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, I, I would be interested to hear both of your thoughts on that. You want to go first, Messiah? You can go ahead. Um, All right. So when we started putting this show together, um, I was very intentional about uh, some of the people that I reached out to. Being involved in the Philadelphia community, theater community for a while, um, it was very obvious to me that there were lots of talented people um, from any and all backgrounds, but not always... um, both when it comes to gender representation and sexuality and race, there's a lot of what I call um, anonymous diversity. Um, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. You'll have a group photo of a cast and crew, and you'll have your little pepper spots. Um, but then you find out that this person happens to be, you know, tree number three, and that other person is on the janitorial staff. And then there's one other person who's the costuming intern. Um, Mm. And so there's diversity, but the diversity doesn't actually wind up reflecting the work itself. So I was very intentional about making sure that the department heads and the people who are making decisions and the people who are um, even some of the representation that we're doing in the costuming, subtle though it may be, it's very intentional as far as people being able to represent and express who they are. And I think that there's a lot of theater companies who are saying for varying reasons that creating that kind of diversity and creating those kind of spaces um, isn't possible or isn't practical. And uh, a big part of putting this show together was to go, well, yes, it can be done. And here is how we it's being done. And you can take a look at the people that are involved in this show and see that those spaces can be created. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I have definitely seen that before in like the theater world and beyond where um, like it looks nice for the pictures, but yeah. then when you actually get into the nitty gritty, the operations are still very centric on like, you know, particular demographics. Right. Mm. <laughs> uh, Messiah, your thoughts? Um. This is a very interesting question for me, at least, because um, I'm still, like, relatively green in, like, the the professional theater world. And also, I've been, like, fortunate enough, I guess you could say. Most of my theater experiences have been with, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, smaller, like, the smaller... theater companies I'm like I've never really done anything with like let's say like the walnut or the art and you know what I mean Mm. so with that having been said I always find my I find myself in spaces where they're like oh yes diversity and inclusion you know come as you are be who you are for your pride and all of that (laughs) but then like also very interestingly I find there's not a lot of like queer roles out in these areas. You know, from an active standpoint, I, I don't find many like openly queer um roles. Uh I think I've only ever played one queer person like in my entire like career so far. So 
I, I honestly don't have an answer for that. I, that was my answer. I don't really have an answer for that. No, I mean, I'll be honest. I think that's a perfectly legitimate answer to the question because mm-hmm. it's important for us to consider people who are entering the industry as well as folks who have been in the industry for a long time. I think that both of your answers uh, really help show both sides of those dichotomy really well. Um, as somebody who um, has not been working as long as Rick, but has it sounds like has worked a little bit longer than Messiah, I can say that I have found myself gravitating right back to those smaller theater companies instead of like branching out to places because I find that I am more likely to find myself adequately represented and respected mm. in those smaller spaces. Mm. Well, I mean, the bigger theaters also are like, let's do the same five plays all about the same type of people. Right. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> let's do Angels in America for the gays and Ragtime for the Blacks. Uh, yep. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Miss Saigon. Right. Oh, right. God. <laughs> Every oh, now and again, no. we might get once on this island. Every mm. now and again. Ah. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and even then, I don't know, maybe the company will choose to do the version that's about class. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Is there, sorry, is there an official version of Once on This Island that's about class? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is. There's, <laughs> there's, all, there's a hairspray about class. Oh, my God. Oh yeah, they they find way to wonder bread all sorts of shit, <laughs> which is so like that just feels so intentionally malicious to me mm-hmm. because if you really have a class analysis, like if we really gonna get into this, you can't separate class from race. Yeah, the two literally work; they work in tandem. They go hand in hand. They've been going hand in hand for so long so for you to have a once on this island where it's like well it's not white people versus the 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 natives who live on this land it's really the rich people versus the poor people okay but who's rich and who's poor and why is that Mm -hmm. so for you to do that it's just like wow like you had to go out of your way to do that Yeah, yeah like that's already baked into the text so they're really just taking out the the racial and colorist aspects yeah. It's just detracting. And, and especially, not, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, it's not like there there aren't enough pieces, there's not enough shows already that are, you know, straight white leaning. So it's like, why did, like, it, it bothers me when they have to go and take things as though there's not enough material for them to work with. It's like, okay, if you don't have people of color or queer people or, or, um, people that fit the demographics of the way the show was written, then don't do that fucking show. Go pick mm-hmm. any one of the other thousand shows that you could do that would fit what you have. Um, I'm going to say one of the things that I like about the characters in the show is thinking about when Messiah was talking about um, what he's doing as far as this character, because Messiah um still looks absolutely beautiful and like i said is the most um sort of over the top character sort in the show um there's like the character just kind of exists as themselves like the character isn't written in any particular way most there's 18 characters in the show um only four of them are gender specific 
And it's cool that a lot of the characters, um, their representation comes from the performer and who the Mm. performers are and how the performers are. And the characters um, just exist in their identity without their identity having to be a, quote, thing, unquote. Right. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, because I see so many casting calls for shows where they have, like, the character breakdown and it's like, uh, this character, female, and like all none of the character description has to do with them being a woman. And I'm like, okay, was there no room for like imagine it? And it's tough too, particularly as a trans performer, because it's like, I can play a woman, but mm-hmm. are you looking for a female performer or are you looking for someone to play a female character? Ooh, Correct. yeah, absolutely. Because I am not a female performer, but I can certainly play a female character. That's fine, but you need to be specific Mm -hmm. and like intentional with that. And I feel like a lot of uh, like writers and directors are not. So I'm really glad to hear this about the ongoing play. I'm not going to lie to you. This is the first time I think I've ever actively thought about that. But like what Rick said is really, really true. When you read like the script, a lot of times, especially like for the three main, like the three main characters who we spend most of our time with, mm-hmm. you really, I was like, like their gender is not necessarily made like crystal cut clear. And it really works for the show because it really does give like watching the lead, right? It really gives them like the space to just like be themselves be themselves, you know, as the character, but just, like, really, like, live as themselves and do what they know how to do and, like, shine the best way they know how to shine without being conflict constricted and confined to being, like, oh, but I have to be a man or, oh, but I have to be a woman. You know what I mean? Right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I tried. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, so switching gears, um, what is something that you would like to tell cishet people for the very last time, and then you never have to hear about it again? Um, it sounds like on Messiah's end, you're speaking as a queer person, and Rick, you will be advising fellow allies. So let's go with Messiah first. This is coming up more and more often in my life. Um, we are not that hard to explain to children Mm. i you know with the the rise of little nas x which as a black (laughs) queer person is something i never thought i would see in my life um and just like in working in schools i've been working at after school since i was like 22 21 um i'm just i've seen so many like how do you explain? How do I explain? Like, I've even asked myself that question. Anybody who knows me knows I I keep an acrylic on, you know, I love (laughs) the look of like acrylic nails. And, you know, before we had to mask up, I was good for coming and wearing lip gloss and everything. And I often had to ask myself like, okay, so if kids come up to me and say something, what am I going to say? How do I explain it? And child, I'll walk in there with these acrylic nails and the kids are like, oh, I like your nails. Mm -hmm. And these aren't little kids too. These are kids who are like 
old enough to kind of under, you know what I mean? Like old, like yeah. these like six, seven, the eighth graders. So they're like, oh, I like your nails. I can't wait till I'm old enough to get my nails done like that. And I really don't have too many issues. They really don't receive me weird. They're really nothing like that. So when y'all make this big old fuss about, oh, well, you're going to confuse the kids. They're not going to know. They're not going to this. They're not going to that. No, you're confused. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. You have issues with accepting people and with accepting the fact that like trans and queer people exist you know, period, point blank. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. But don't put that on the kids because I promise you, they don't care that much. <laughs> yeah, yes. absolutely. I I mean, I yes, I absolutely 100% agree with everything you're saying. I at work had the weirdest experience where um, I was like, go, like I'm working in a store. So like I'm walking around making sure that everything's all tidy on the shelves. And then I noticed that someone left a pamphlet behind, like one of those like accept Jesus into your life pamphlet type situations and like, whatever, I've seen them before. Not a big deal. I just go ahead and pick it up because, you know, we're not selling it. Um, <laughs> but the cover of it was just absolutely like bloody, violent, like very difficult to look at as a 28 year old depiction of christ on the cross and like i was raised as a christian i'm not like unfamiliar with imagery like that but it was like particularly violent looking and i find it odd that the same like it's it's not like it's not every christian is homophobic and not every homophobe is a christian but like a lot of times you see an overlap with the people who are saying things mm -hmm. like won't we please think of the children then are fine just <laughs> leaving this out in the middle of a store for mm -hmm. kids to like come across on a Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're fine with difficult things for children to interact with as long as it's not gay. Right. Mm -hmm. The, the what about isms when it comes to children, I mean, across the board, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Are mm -hmm. so, it's 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 like if it wasn't so violent and if lives weren't at stake, it would almost be laughable, the hypocrisy, right? Yeah. What about the children? But we won't fund their schools. What about the children? But we won't give the the people who had to carry them for nine months like decent amount of time to leave from work to like raise them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What about the children? But we're not paying livable wages. What mm -hmm. about the children? But you know, gun violence, it has this city in a chokehold and we're not addressing the, the the real issues of it. You know, what about the children, but we're not giving the people who have to carry them the right to terminate pregnancies? You know what I mean? It's just the yeah. whataboutisms kill me, to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a very intentional hypocrisy. Yeah, you know, I, I work with kids too. And uh, in my experience, they don't care very much that I'm not a boy or a girl. They're, uh, they're usually much more preoccupied with like, school shootings and right. <laughs> climate change and uh, Roblox. Great, <laughs> yeah. great. Roblox great. and Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a Minecraft thing. Okay, guys. <laughs> I thought you were saying roadblocks, like, like traffic. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I was like... I'm old, I'm, and even I caught that one. What the hell? 
I don't know. Like, it's partial. Like, I'm I'm dealing with an ear infection right now, so some stuff I can't super hear. But otherwise, like, I I am not privy to the Minecraft world at all, even a little. Uh, but in any case, yeah, I absolutely, fully agree with you, Messiah. Uh, Rick, what would you like to tell fellow cishet people? Um, if you can't step up to argue with, debate with, shut up and shut down. Um, other cishet people who are homophobes or transphobes or whatever kind of xenophobes, whatever, um, don't pretend that you're an ally and don't pretend that um, you're open-minded and open-hearted. Uh, in particular, like I've had so many conversations with people um, about trans athletes who are just spouting the wrong kinds of miscon, like all sorts of misconceptions um, or about trans people in general, or about bathrooms, or about whatever topic. And too often, um, there aren't enough cishet people who will say to other cishet people, where you're coming from is bullshit, and where you're, what you're saying is bullshit, and the things that you're propagating and perpetuating are bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, so all of, the, all of my wonderful, warm, fuzzy, tree-hugging, I love my gay brothers and sisters, cishet people um, need to be more willing to actually open their mouths and tell other idiotic cishet people when to shut the fuck up about their uh, transphobia and homophobia and xenophobia and all those sorts of things. Because mm. um, I, think, I think there aren't enough of us who, I think in our hearts, understand and are open and are accepting but are still afraid to to step out and step up and tell somebody else to tell. And I don't just mean like old Uncle Joe at the Thanksgiving table. Mm -hmm. I mean online. I mean coworkers. I mean <clears throat> people that we work with. And I'm not saying that we need to pick a fight with everybody. Um, but I do believe that if we are true, like if somebody saw a kid <clears throat> getting beaten up on the street, they would likely step in if someone was in a restaurant and somebody walked up and you know to a black patron and said get the fuck out nigger you can't eat in here um there's a lot of people that would very willingly step up because they've come to the point where they understand what's wrong and they understand that that racism isn't cool and we don't have to live with it anymore but because in particular i think a lot of cishet people still don't haven't wrestled with their thoughts and feelings on trans lives and trans rights and um, the the actual right to live life on a day-to-day -day basis as an LGBTQ plus person, because they haven't wrestled with their own issues on it. They have a very hard time taking other people to task. And so I think that cishet people in general, particularly people in the arts community, which tends to be more liberal and more wide open, tends to be um, people yeah. within those communities that consider themselves allies and they consider themselves friends need to make sure that they have come to their own convictions to the point where they can step up to other cishet people who also need to either be educated and, and liberated to an to, in a mental sense. Um, and sometimes some of them just need to be opposed. We need to be the voice of reason in the room per se. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I, I think like a huge part of like being an ally and being an advocate for others is overcoming your own discomfort for the overall benefit of others around you. Yeah. Yes. There are going to be times where it is tough to speak out where like you feel like you're risking something like a friendship or like a, a, a job, uh, not literal promotion, but like advancement in the field or whatever like that. But you have to consider who it is you're prioritizing. And if the answer is yourself more than it is other people, then you have to ask yourself if you are really being an ally to others. Right. Yeah. I love all that. Thank you, Rick. Uh, so, Messiah, uh, looping back to you, what is on your gay agenda? What is on my gay agenda? Hmm. My gay agenda tends to be a very day-to-day thing, so... Cool. For today, my gay agenda is to uh, go to work and uh, be queer and be the representation of Black queer people in public school settings. And hopefully by my just being myself and existing, I will empower some other black queer child in this in that space to be themselves um and then it is to actually go to rehearsal when i am done with work and be the best black queer preacher i can be (laughs) i love all of that excellent um and rick uh i guess you can't really contribute to the gay agenda improper um but i the question that we usually posit more to this end when we have cishet people on the show is like, what is on your ag- agenda to benefit the queer community? Um, I, I'm a big believer in that it takes all kinds to make a world. Um, I, I am, again, I'm in a, a rather fortunate situation where um, I can navigate some spaces that sometimes marginalized, other marginalized people can't. So my agenda in general um, is to kick open doors, is to kick open doors and then let a lot of folks through those doors that don't normally get to come through those doors. And so, and that's not just like as a designer, it's not just um, the gay white male designer, um, but it's also uh, the black trans designer or the black choreographer or that to really sort of open the doors that I can, and then once I kick the door open to kind of step out of the way and let other people walk through. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I love all of that. Uh, cool. Shall we go on to the game? I like sure. games. <laughs> Wonderful, Jay. <laughs> all right. Hello, it's me, Jay, your camp counselor. Uh, and I <laughs> I put together a little quiz today. Uh, because you have... Uh, some psychopomps in your show a psychopomp being a creature spirit or deity that that escorts the dead from earth to the afterlife um i created a little quiz exploring psychopomps from a bunch of different cultures uh i call it psychopomp and circumstance cool. <laughs> ew 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 i even the dad doesn't like the dad joke. Go ahead. <laughs> Jay is on another level with the punnery. Like, they go hard. 
Uh, it is a multiple choice game, uh, and you you can choose to play it all as a, as a big team, or if you want to make little mini teams. Either way, CJ does not uh, well might know the answers, but is not privy to the the creation of the quiz. So you can use them as a sounding board or lifeline, uh, because I will always volunteer them for that job. Yay! <laughs> so, like for example, um, my example question, like. Uh, Lots of people know the Grim Reaper. What's his very favorite accessory? Is it A, a mallet, B, a bone saw, or C, a scythe? Oh, it's C. Masa- you, you should know this, Messiah. It's a scythe. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Perfect. Yes. So it's all like that. Cool. Uh, all right. You ready? Bring it. Here we go. Psychopomp and circumstance. Look, I'm not proud about it. I'm going to shake my head every time. As you shouldn't be. (laughs) Uh, My life is full of shame and wordplay. Uh, Number (laughs) one. I'm putting that on your tombstone. I'm already writing it down. My my wife and I just fell in love with that statement. (laughs) That is an entire play in and of itself. It needs to be written. Shame and wordplay. Right. I've already written it down. Oh, <laughs> damn! <laughs> I volunteer it. <laughs> All right, number one. Uh, Yama is a Hindu, Buddhist, and Sikh deity of death, Dharma, the South Direction, and the Underworld. What animal does he ride? Is it A, an elephant, B, a water buffalo, or C, a Bengal tiger? Is it a tiger? Is that our final answer? Are we doing this all as a as a team or is it like buzzers? I don't <laughs> should have established that, I guess. I, I I would also go with Tiger, but only because I couldn't think of a theatrical producer's name that would be acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go with Tiger. Ah, oh, I'm sorry, the answer is water buffalo. Oh. Water buffalo. I see I know a lot of producers who are like water buffaloes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, an animal I will always associate with veggie tails, thanks to my childhood. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody has water buffalo. What it comes from, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. A uh, little known fact: that song is actually about Yama, the, the deity of death. Um, <laughs> I'm getting all of my information, by the way, from Wikipedia. So please, listeners, if I get anything wrong, feel free to yell at me on social media. Uh, Your privatized social media. <laughs> Look, they can yell at you me. Can, through th- they can be like, can hey, my gay me. agenda Twitter. Tell Jen to shut up. <laughs> That's true. At gay agenda cast, Jay, come on. That'll be the tweet. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right, number two. Uh, Inpu, or um, uh, might be known as Anubis, his Greek name, is the ancient Egyptian god of death, mummification, embalming, the afterlife, etc., etc. Uh, and he would decide who would ascend to a heavenly existence and who would be eaten by an alligator deity. What did he weigh your heart against to find this verdict? I know this one. Oh, go ahead. A feather. Yes. Mm-hmm. Apparently the feather represents truth, is what I learned. But... Sure. Have yes. you ever known a feather to lie? I've known a heather Check to me. lie. Does that count? <laughs> feather, feather, feather. God damn it. 
I was oh, like, God. when you were talking about uh, souls getting eaten by the alligator deity, I was sort of hoping it just stopped at your soul gets eaten by an alligator. Like they just like had alligator, like a regular earth alligator that they just were like, all right, you're done. <laughs> no, she's uh, she's sacred, but she's just a big alligator. So <laughs> I love that for her. I love my new girlfriend. <laughs> all right. Number three. Uh, Valkyries, the female warriors of Norse legend, uh, chose who died in battle and who would uh, live, and those who died, uh, who would go to Valhalla. What do they also deliver to those dwelling in Valhalla? Is it A, an an endless feast of meat, B, trophies from their past victories, or C, booze? Vegan hummus and goat cheese. Um... Is it taking, knowing as much as I know about Norse culture, which is nothing, um, (laughs) I'm going to go with trophies. That sounds like something they would do. I'm going to go with booze. It is booze. Yeah, man. (laughs) I I think the Valkyries, uh, they do lots. So I know they're not just delivering mead to to ghost warriors, but... um... I still feel like they could be doing better. <laughs> All right. I mean, w- once you die, you don't need food, right? Just, so just you might as well. It's a, it's party time. <laughs> so bring the hooch. Yeah, Valhalla is just an endless party until the end of the world, which, as far as afterlifes go, pretty sweet. All right. All right. Our next question. Um, the association between uh, the Greek god Hermes and the underworld is related to his function as a god of boundaries, like the boundary between life and death. Uh, but he is considered a psychopomp, helping guide the souls of the deceased to the afterlife. His image was commonly depicted on gravestones in classical Greece, and he often had a specific symbol associated with him in his role as a psychopomp. Um, was it A, a coin, B, a dick, or C, a snake. I think I know this one only because of Hades Town, but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Rick and Messiah try to guess first. I'm pretty sure it's C, but that's uh, that's the least fun of all the answers. <laughs> unless wow. I mean, unless he was a brother, because then snake and dick kind of might fit. <laughs> Not that I'm perpetuating stereotypes or anything, but oh. <laughs> Who let me on a show? <laughs> I ask that question every day. Every rehearsal. Look, you keep showing up, so, you know. But, um, wow. I did not spend my entire middle school career reading the Percy Jackson series to be drawing a blank right now. Uh, um, the, the, the reading about Greek gods to be in Queer Pipeline. <laughs> well... Wait, so it's a thing. So it's a fucking thing. It's a thing. We it's all a thing like with a capital T. <laughs> okay, good to know. Um, I think it was a snake, though. Um, I guess I accidentally made this a bit of a trick. Snakes. Uh, Hermes does have the staff with the snake-like stuff on it, which is uh the medical symbol. But in his role as like. The boundary between life and death. Can I guess? 
Yes, you make us, CJ. Is it a coin? No, it's a phallus. What? I love classical <laughs> Greece. That's what okay, I said. Okay, so that's not in Hades Town. <laughs> yeah, but, well, it was a whole thing of like boundaries between life and death, death and fertility as a cycle. You know, I it guess. seems like a great excuse to carve dicks into gravestones. Yeah, that seems more like a thing I'd say if I wanted to carve dicks into gravestones. <laughs> I just. The more I learn. Great, great. I was telling CJ, I'm like, if nothing else, today's game is very educational. Yeah, yeah, you were right. <laughs> All right, I've got four more for you. All right. All right. Shalat was an Aztec god of fire and lightning. He was commonly depicted as a dog-headed man and was a soul guide for the dead. What real-life animal was named after him? A, a shadfly. B, a stoat, or C, an axolotl? I'm going to go with C. That is correct. (laughs) I paused because you said real life and then real life animals and then said things that sound like Harry Potter stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) That is fair. No, uh, axolotl. Well, so like Shalotl's name is spelled like the end of axolotl. It just turns out we're saying axolotl in a real anglicized way. Wow. <laughs> Ain't that how it goes? Mm-hmm. Y'all do what y'all do. That's true. But, oh, poor armadillos. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> Marana is a pagan Slavic goddess. She has a million names, so I'm just going with Marana because that's the one I saw most. Um, She's associated with seasonal rites based on the idea of death and rebirth of nature. At spring equinox, what do you do with a Morana doll to celebrate? Do you A, throw it in a lake, B, bury it in the woods, or C, hide it in your neighbor's yard? See, I was thinking, I'm like, hmm, that throw it in a lake seems pretty morbid. They're all morbid. (laughs) So I don't have any good guesses here. And I'm really trying to not respond like a 12-year-old, but... Uh, it worked last time. Yeah, see? <laughs> um, so what are the choices again? Throw it in a lake, mm-hmm. bury it in the woods, hide it in your neighbor's yard. That sounds like a to-do mm-hmm. list to me. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, right, it's chronological, really. Yeah. <laughs> if it floats back to the surface, you bury it in the woods. If it comes back to you, you put it in. It. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with bury it in the woods. I'm gonna go with hide it in the neighbor's yard. It is, in fact, th- throwing it in a lake. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes I'm... you set it on fire first. Why not? Uh, you know what? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> total, total total ignorance question. Is Freya one of the names? Or is that a completely uh, no. different entity? I believe that's a, she's separate. Marana's okay. other names all mostly start with M. Okay, cool. Just checking. Yeah. Um, all right, final two. Santa Muerte is a cult image, female deity, and folk saint in Mexican neo-paganism and folk Catholicism, uh, which are my two favorite music genres. Uh <laughs> <laughs> She's a personification of death, and she's associated with healing, protection, and safe delivery to the afterlife by her devotees. This one's a little tricky because I'm going to say, which of these is not a nickname that her 
followers have for her. So only one of these is not real. Is it A, Mama Bones, B, White Lady, or C... <laughs> now hold on. <laughs> the Lady of the Shadows. Oh shit! <laughs> you might as well have said B, Karen. Right? Because something about white lady being a potential nickname for the Aztec black well. or deity of death. If, if it is helpful, and I mean this applies to all of them, I would say she is a skeleton. Ooh. I'm going to say Mama Bones is not it. I'm going to go with it was Mama Bones, White Lady. What was the last one? Lady of the Shadows. I'm actually going to go with Lady of the Shadows. Uh, well, congrats, Rick. Mama Bones was the fake one Thank that you. I made up. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is known as many things, two of which are Lady of the Shadows or the White Lady. Or yeah. No, sorry. It was the yeah. White Girl and just White Lady. Even even the Aztecs do La Puta Blanca. See? We know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> All right, and our final one, um, and this is who I think of when I think of psychopomps. In the African diasporic religion of Haitian Vodou, Papa Gede is a psychopomp who waits at the crossroads to take souls into the afterlife. What are two of Papa Gede's favorite things? Is it A, apples and cheap cigars? B, sweet potatoes and high-end bourbon? Or C, mangoes and gifts of coffee? Okay. Stuff because I like a lot of these. Ricky. Yes. <laughs> okay. But I saved I'm, it I'm, for last. I'm trying to think uh 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Ge- geographically. Mm. Right. Like what would they have had in Haiti? Um and I'm realizing I don't know shit. I so will much. say, unfortunately, all of these are available in Haiti. Right. And, and it also gets there? It gets tricky because there's like the whole Baba Legba thing. Um, and so I've done just enough digging for it to be. I'm going to go with apples and cigars. I'm going to go with mangoes and gifts of coffee. It is apples and cheap cigars. <laughs> they specified cheap. And that's what I love about uh-huh. it. I also love that uh, Once on this Island came up. Uh, <laughs> because... <laughs> Yeah. Papagede is again who I think of when I think of a psychopomp. All right. Thank you so much for playing Psychopomp in Circumstance. Yay. I think y'all handily uh, kicked this quiz's butt. Just a little round of applause. Yay. Yay. Good job. <laughs> uh, thank you both so much for being on the show. You want to go ahead and tell the folks at home how they can watch the ongoing Plight of the Ferryman? Yes. Come see the ongoing Plight of the Ferryman. Uh, runs every weekend at Plays and Players Theater, which is 1714 Delancey Place in Center City, right off of Rittenhouse Square. Um, We have shows Friday at 7, Saturday at 3 and 7, and Sundays at 3. Um, Our opening weekend is October 1st. Uh, Our Pride Night is uh, the 7 o'clock show, October 9th. We have a Gotha Nocta, which is a goth night, um, the 16th. We have a costume contest of 22nd or 23rd one of those and then we close on halloween and on halloween night we're having um a dragon burlesque show um as a closing night party 
So all sorts of neat things that you can uh, buy. If you go to Stageworks, that's with an S, X, S-T-A-G-W-O-R-K-X.com. Uh, you can find out all the details about the show and you can buy tickets there um, or find one of our posters. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we have a QR code that will take you right there. Yes. Uh, we'll also put those links in the description of this episode as well. So you can go ahead and just find them there. And um, again, I'm going to be at the matinee on uh, October 9th uh, and on the panel. So I don't know if you have a vested interest in seeing me in person, you can catch me there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, man, I keep I keep wanting to tell you to plug your social stuff, Jay, but I guess we're still on hiatus there. If you want to yell at me uh, on social media, you can do it through the My Gay Agenda stuff. (laughs) Great. So I'll tell you how to get to the My Gay Agenda stuff, and you can yell at Jay through any one of those. Um, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcatchers, whichever is your flavor of choice. Uh, Feel free to drop us a rating or stars or whatever. We love looking at them and reading them. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mygayagendapodcast, on Twitter and Instagram at gayagendacast, and you can also join us on Patreon, uh, just like Rachel, Fairy Girl Higgins, uh, Quentin J. Alexander, Jim Nolan, and Tiny Sneal. Tim and I just uh, released something on the Patreon about the Super Mario Brothers 1993 movie, that just oh. happened to coincide with the announcement of the newest Mario movie cast. And that was spooky. So enjoy that. And ho- happy Halloween, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, um, it's against my religious beliefs to acknowledge the Illumination Mario movie. Fair enough. That's super valid. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if it's not against your religion, listener, you can check us out on Patreon. <laughs> If you have no religious objections to supporting our show on a financial level, you can do so. <laughs> we'll pass the plate. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, put this in your gay agenda. Change the world. Love yourself. Uh, take one of those which Greek god are you quizzes. We connect your middle school self. Yes. Poseidon, but like without the rape. Mm. Mm. That's you need to add that addendum to most of them, unfortunately. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> I've been a child of Poseidon. I'm a whole Pisces. It 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 makes sense. It makes uh, sense. Mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Am I a cliche if I say Dionysus? I mean, I was gonna say Dionysus too. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we'd have to combine to be one Dionysus as I'm the wine drinker of the two of us. True, 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 true. But I feel like we both have the energies abounding. You're the wine drinker and I'm the one who goes mad and tears men apart in the moonlight. Yeah. And that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. We just want to exist.